Welcome to the Spike Feed, your leading Magic the Gathering podcast. What is up? My name is Curtis, and I'm just your typical Spike. On the line with me, my good buddy, executive producer, Cameron McCoy. Friend, how you doing? Good, man. You know, it's just been, uh, it's, I mean, we've talked about this before. It's fall right now, and it's just a wonderful time to be in the Midwest. I mean, one of maybe two weeks where it's actually, you know, appealing to be here. It's great. Yeah, dude, hey, <laughs> usually it's like October 1st to halfway through November. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's the real money time where things are really working out for us. Um, hey, do yourself a favor. Get out. Get yourself some fresh apple cider from your your nearest apple orchard. Enjoy that Midwestern fall, man. It's yeah. it's really all we yeah, all we cling it's to. All we got. <laughs> uh, you know, so uh, that that in football, which I know um, mm. you have a deep knowledge and love of, um, you know, really all sports. Mm-hmm. That's that's Cameron McCoy's bag, um, dude. We have it, it's it's a light news week. I kind of had some more conversational topics for us this week but Mm -hmm. i I know you played a little bit i played a little bit this week we hadn't discussed playing a ton of cards the past couple weeks so why don't you lead off with us what what have you been up to i think i need to get into some paper playing again uh it's been a few weeks since i've played and um that always rejuvenates my um love of the game uh because uh, this week man i feel like i'm giving up on standard uh (laughs) i can't I can't stand the the exact same three play patterns of every single deck that I'm playing against. Doesn't matter what I'm playing, and I'm just having terrible losing streaks. Um, and you know, I mean, like I have a black red deck; it's really really good. But like, I find that mirror matchup or any of the matchups I'm playing against just to be incredibly uninteresting right now. So, Meat Hook Massacre was not enough for me to like I think really spark some enjoyment out of standard and I'm just really ready for that injection of new cards to come I don't think a banning is really what we need right now I think it's just more cards in the in the format so let's jump into that because I have this kind of down in the news discussion I would differ I think it's time for fable the mirror breaker to be gone yeah I think that card is beyond ubiquitous at this point it is almost like it's got to be at least half of the turn three plays i see um it's gotten to the point now when somebody plays a graveyard trespasser on turn three i'm like oh well that's nice um because fable of the mirror breaker is far too good and i i honestly think again you know i know a lot of people are making esper work I think Fable the Mirror Breaker is um, so necessary. Even whenever you somebody hits Destroy Evil and they still get the creature, it's mm-hmm. like it, it generally is not good enough. There's not a clean, actual good answer. Unleash the Inferno um, is also one that people pointed to with me. That's like, yeah, that'll that'll answer. And it's like, are we really talking about a four mana instant is the answer to this three mana saga? Like, yeah, yeah. Cle- clearly, it's not doing the work. Standard is Brothers War is I think a ways off, right? Oh, actually, uh, I should yeah, I should look at the release date before I get too far. But you're saying you're just ready to just pause on it. You don't want any more bannings. I, I mean, I, you, listen, I I would gladly 
get rid of Blood Tithe Harvester and Fable of the Mirror Breaker. For me, those are the two cards that are just making turns two and three so repetitive and so just, it's like what you need to be doing and I'm just done with it. Um, so yeah, I, I guess that's where I'm at is like, I would love to see those things see the door, but I'm also just at the point where I'm so jaded maybe with the standard that like it doesn't really matter if those two cards are gone. I feel like it's still just going to be more of the same. And so I'm just ready for those new cards. Yeah. And also, I mean, look, if we get rid of Fable of the Mirror Breaker, Esper is going to run away with it. Yeah. Like it's not even going to be close um, because it's arguably the best deck now. And it's the lone deck that doesn't play Fable, right? I guess mono black, but I don't see mono black nearly as often as, as I much. used to. Yeah. Um, okay. So correction, thanks to the power of Google. Uh, it was way off. So uh, Brothers War is like a month away. Okay. okay. Uh, November 18th. So basically you could try to just draft or explore for a while. Um, but I'm seeing here you've also got concerns about explore. <laughs> Dude. Uh, once again, just I've it's been punishing how much I've been losing this week specifically. The past two weeks maybe. Um, I'm, I'm playing variations of Control. Um, last week I was really high on Esper control and I still think that it's worth splashing the third color to get access to some of those really good cards. I know that my list is not completely optimized. Um, but I'm also just looking at like blue white and I don't know if it's actually doing enough against some of these other decks that are like just comboing now. Uh, specifically Ignis combo, I'm actually seeing in the wild and it's, um, I mean, I've played that deck. I have won so many games with that deck. It's, it's absurdly busted and I honestly want more people to be playing it so that it kind of rises to the top so we can actually deal with it because, um, you know, Ignis in combination with those Alliance cards is just bad news bears. There is, I, I mean, it is a, it is a punishing combo and like, and to the point where whatever I'm playing, I can remove certain pieces, but that deck is actually pretty resilient where yeah. you can wipe the board and they just rebuild. And like, you know, and if it, it's just a, it's a, you know, they just amass a critical amount of things <laughs> because the deck is just so resilient. Um, doesn't matter if, they, I mean, they can just go off again in like another two turns. So there's that. The other thing that um, I do see as maybe being problematic, I've always just hated this card to begin with. I, it was problematic and standard. Um, is Fires of Invention? I think um, it's a problem card. It, I mean, four mana, and all of a sudden you're casting free things, and it's just like I don't see how like that is a good card in any situation. Um, and that now with um, enigmatic incarceration which is kind of like the birthing pod variant mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. they're jamming fires of invention with that and just singleton creatures and it's a really really good deck um it's really kind of popped up out of nowhere i've been seeing it a ton and playing against it a ton and um once again just these combo decks like um i'm fine with there being a combo deck but when they are the best things in standard and there's two of i'm sorry in explorer and there are two of them that to me doesn't bode well for the format so we may need to be at a place where 
some of this stuff may just need to get addressed. Um, you know, I, I'm looking at the um, whenever they inject the new cards from um, I can't remember the the Thalia set. Um, maybe then something will happen, but it just feels like I, I just too many combos are happening right now, and I'm not I'm not okay with it. Um, so I've been playing the Fires of Invention Agent of Treachery version. So yeah. for a while, you and I were playing the Indomitable Creativity Torrential Gear Hulk version. Well, now once people have gone to, and by the way, I don't know if we should say this or if it's obvious, but these are all Yorian decks too, mm-hmm. right? Because the companion mechanic, especially as it's in its current um, iteration and even in its previous iteration, really plays well with Fires of Invention, right? Yep. Because it basically makes the penalty non-existent, right? <laughs> yeah. um, and so Explore, I would like to see them deal with that because there's a bunch, there's probably, like you could say there are three different decks. Like there's traditional Fires, there's uh, the Blue Red Indomitable Creativity deck, there's the Enigmatic in- in- <laughs> Incarceration kind of, uh, you know... Uh, birthing pod right it's it's really a survival of the fittest deck too like however you want to look at it those those three things are all going about stuff the same way right it is cheating in things and taking each other's stuff slash massive magnum opus on turn four or turn three on and on and on so it kind of leads to these um uninteractive uninteresting games and i don't know maybe Explorer just isn't accurately represented on things like MTG Arena Zone and MTG Goldfish. But, like, this whole idea that Siege Rhino decks are good in this format, A, I never play against them, and B, I have no clue how those decks be what we're talking about, what we're discussing. Mm -hmm. It seems like, especially when you're Black-centric, like, or you're Jund or Junk, how, like one beseech you is supposed to answer this stuff like it's crazy right yeah, yeah and like you i've kind of found both formats to be probably really problematic um i went a lot more in explorer because i feel really comfortable playing broken magic which maybe that's a, a bad sign and i don't think standard is broken no i just think it's hyper 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 repetitive because the pool of cards that you should be playing is incredibly small because a it's a small set and one color slash one card is so much better than everything else you should be doing that you kind of get into these really repetitive cycles in which there is no way out Mm -hmm. um and it leads to me playing poorly and playing uninterested magic which i think is like one of the big issues that i'm having with like last week, I kind of went through what you were going through where I went. I was up one night and I had lost like seven matches in a row. Yeah. And again, I was scooping early because I think I actually said this on the show that, oh, I needed a third land. Oh, and it was a tap land. And they played a Fable and Mirror Breaker. It's like, why am I even playing the rest of this game? <laughs> like it is same with Rafine. Like they hit a Rafine. So they go like Tenacious Underdog into Rafine. My third land's tapped. Okay. Yep. This is a dumb waste of time because there's just... Not a lot of good catch-up mechanisms. But I think both of these things are rescuable. To your point, let's have Brothers War hit standard and let's see. But Explore exists in this weird spot where because we're still missing Pioneer cards, 
right? Like, we don't know how a card like Spell Queller would line up against a Fires of Inventions deck. Mm-hmm. You know, and these things matter. And banning something before Pioneer gets to ban it seems a little strange. And Watsy seems to be mildly or heavily disinterested in Explorer. It's kind of like, hey, fine. We gave you Explorer, whatever. Please leave us alone about Alchemy. Also, would you mind playing Alchemy? Yeah. Have you looked at your settings and how they're all set to Alchemy? (laughs) Have you noticed that all the old sets, if you want to go back and draft them, Mm -hmm. you get Alchemy cards, Alchemy, Alchemy, Alchemy. This, This is where we're at, right? Okay, so I want to just... We're just putting on our amateur business person hat, right? So mm-hmm. this is not us. Like, look, I, I just think there's some trends here. We usually are not the podcast that's like, have you seen the quarter results for Hasbro? Like, I don't really care. Okay. Uh, I would, I personally don't invest in Hasbro. And uh, no offense to anyone out there, I don't know how you would see this as a good investment, <laughs> right? But whatever. You do you. Um, uh, Curtis is not a financial advisor, right? Um, <laughs> But their 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 profits were down, and so they had some kind of notable bullet points that I think are worth talking about. Um, so there's this whole concept of they think the release schedule didn't line up. And then I, I shared with you this chart under product saturation. <laughs> and again, I think there's a narrative that amongst some players and some content creators that yeah, you may not like it, but these guys are like geniuses and they're making things so, so profitable and you're so st- silly for even questioning them. And then you look at this product saturation chart that's been floating around Twitter and whatever. Um, I, I should source it, but I don't know who it came from. And I just saw it floating around. However, it's incredibly accurate. So like on the 22 chart, you'll notice that so, like, it starts at 93, and you have four sets, which, by the way, three of them are alpha, beta, unlimited, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. So, <laughs> effectively, there's, like, two or three releases, right? And then it kind of goes in, and then as the years go by, like, massive jump in product release to where we're off the chart, and then at the bottom it says plus 48 additional sets. And this is including, you know, all kinds of special releases and all of this. I want to just talk about this again from our perspective as a as a content people, you know, people that have some dumb podcast at the corner of the internet, but also as players. I a hundred percent think we've reached product saturation because often I'll see cards on Twitter, and I have no idea if it's going to be a card that I can play with. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know if it's standard, commander, legacy, unhinged, unglued, whatever think we might need to slow down here a little bit Mm -hmm. so i I, i'm just interested in your thoughts on this and no i mean we could go back two years ago and i remember us talking about product fatigue at the time because it just seemed like there was just one thing after another and like i lost track as far as like what product has the old borders of like young pyramid you know like it just goes on and on and on um this is also the time when, like, you know, we're seeing, like, a really aggressive push. This, this product, like, in 2020, 2019, the aggressive push with, like, um, historic at the time and, like, all those sorts of things. And we saw, like, 
Um, I'm, you know what? I'm just going to say it right here. I think the companion mechanic might be to blame for all of this because they <laughs> think they align as far as when product fatigue started to happen. Um, no, but like we're reaching like um, like that plus 48, like an absurd amount of stuff. Like this is just ridiculous where we're forgetting about, I think, like just the core component of just make a really solid standard set. And I don't know. I mean, I, I get it because maybe, yeah, the profits are going to be down and like it's a company and they're trying to constantly grow. But with a company like this as well, with a game like this, you can't grow that much, right? You can only grow your player base. You can only grow the people who are actually interested in it. Otherwise, you're going to, you're, 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 you're reaching beanie baby level t- territory here in 2022. Yeah, I would also say that like almost everyone I know that's in my category is spending less on magic. Mm-hmm. Like I hear this from people all the time, acquaintances, guys that I used to play with, this kind of thing. Like I, there's kind of a point where I've thrown up my hands and I would say anecdotally, it's really hard to get emotionally invested even in sets I like, right? Like Whenever you had a very limited, hey, these are the four sets that came out this year or five sets, I had feelings about those sets, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I even ones I didn't like, like I didn't really love Scars of Mirrodin, but I can tell you the ins and outs of that set. I got to like marinate on it for a while and I bought a ton of product, even though I didn't necessarily love it because that was the option, right? And, you know, we've, we've talked about this like with um, like, Apple. Like, I feel like they've lost their way in a lot of ways, too, because it used to be their product line was what? Six products or something yeah, that were yeah. really refined and honed in. And this is... I, I don't know how many more parallels we have to draw to. This is the comic book bust market. Yes. This this is exactly... Ev- like, once we started down the thing of variants, and I should say that once we started out, like we locked in the reserve list for starters. Then the speculator bubble started. Then we're like, hey, we're going to anything that's not on the reserve list, we're going to print 7 million variants and secret layers and blah, blah, blah. You like the product quality and identity is so dissipated now that it's really, really hard to glue on. And if you're a new player, I don't even know where you start. Like, what. <laughs> What do you what do you even tell someone that's starting to play Magic? I guess just download Arena. I guess. And welcome to Alchemy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good um, luck sorting that out. Um, yeah, Alchemy is really the motion smoothing of the Magic world, isn't it? Seriously, like, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's built in. <laughs> you gotta you gotta tell them to turn that setting off. But along with this, and along with my comic book slash collector's bubble stuff, I don't know if you saw this, but there was a period where there's too much product on Amazon, so Amazon started slashing there. Now, these are not booster boxes, dude. These are um, like set boxes. Like, you remember the set oh, yeah. boosters or whatever? So things that are normally $200 got slashed to like 80 bucks. Ooh. So clearly they're not moving them the way that they thought. Or like, there's no reason you would put that kind of a discount just willy-nilly for yeah, fun, right? Yeah. And then, of course... Those got posted, and then a bunch of LGSs were like, well, hold on. How can I compete with this price? Right? Yeah. And then I think as a collector, you have to say, wait a minute. If these things are getting sold at this rate, 
What does that do in terms of price? If I'm really a true collector and I'm looking to actually have money inside of Magic cards, why would I be buying anything new? Why wouldn't I just stash it with 93, 94, 95 cards and then be done with it? Mm -hmm. So this has all the makings of some pretty concerning trends is what I'm just getting to. Yeah. Um, Hopefully I'm just being chicken little and everything is fine. Doesn't feel that way though. <laughs> yeah, no. It, it, I mean, that that. I mean, y- you can look at a chart like they have here and look at it ten different ways. You know, I'm, I I realize like, you know, a lot of the extra products that they're being released are like things that are on Arena and are digital only and are just there to, you know, expand Arena, which cool in some ways, but then you also just have to look at all the printed stuff that like the actual physical product that you're buying and it is it's there's just too much of it too much of it and i don't need transformers man i don't need that in my game yeah and they also kind of had this uh, thing of like hey now that we're doing the universes beyond the licensing fees are really hitting us hard it's like okay yeah weird who would have seen that coming um so speaking of this, Cameron, I, I do want to give our outside perspective a little bit on Flesh and Blood. So like I've dabbled in it a little bit, enjoyed the game. One big barrier for me is that there's no digital client. Um, but this hit me kind of hard because what lined up with the three-year anniversary is that the game shop closest to me has fully replaced Friday Night Magic with Friday Night Flesh and Blood. Um, <laughs> and they built like a room for it. And also... I watched, uh, I think it was uh, the Tolarian Community College video on it, and the, the, the guy who's in charge of Flesh and Blood, the main game designer or whatever, um, said they're committed to four sets a year, period. And so I feel like Flesh and Blood is this just like really adorable puppy. It's constantly like coming up to me and like, hey... Hey, why don't you? And finally, I'm going to give in and take it home, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. But there are some limitations here. There are some barriers. I just kind of want your outside perspective. Has there been traction at your game shop as well? Yeah. Um, and what are the barriers for us to move to another card game? Because I think that's a very real thing. I mean, yeah. it's not nothing, right? Uh, so yeah, flesh and blood is growing in the Des Moines market as well. Like there's a shop up in, uh, a Northern suburb that's running it. The college town North of that is running it. Um, my shop is, I mean, so like, you know, it's a thing it's growing. Um, it hasn't replaced Friday night magic yet, but I mean, who's to say anything right now? I mean, I want to say, I mean, it was probably like two years ago. You talked about flesh and blood as like, you know, the hubris of Watsy, the hubris of this giant product like Magic. It, it's like this, you know, monolith that can't be toppled. Um, and we keep on, you know, like, and I think we had a really good conversation at the time talking about just that. And here we are where product saturation of, of wizards is just out of control. Um, you know, I don't know how the how energized the actual player base seems to be anymore just because of, you know, a poor standard, um, poor, you know, too many products, all this other stuff that's kind of weighing it down. And all of a sudden here's this, like you said, this little puppy that, you know, 
might you might just take home one day and all of a sudden it's it's the new thing. Um, so yeah, I guess on that, it's just like, it's here to stay, it's growing and, um, there's clearly a market for this sort of type of thing that wizards used to occupy, magic used to occupy, <laughs> maybe it still does, but it's definitely having like an identity crisis almost, it seems like. Well, here's, here's, here's a big differentiating factor. I would, I would go to Flesh and Blood's website and they're like, Hey, here's our pro events. Pro Tour, the World Championship is coming out. Hey, if you're not invited to the World Championship, but you want to come and play at the events before, you're welcome to it. We're going to give out exclusive. Like, it, it is alarming how much they are just trying to pull that audience. The, like, for lack of a better term, the SCG grinders of the world, right? Those people. And it's just like my love of magic is keeping me in more than anything. Like, look, Flesh and Blood is not an inexpensive game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a deck usually, at least from anecdotally what I've seen, most decks are between $500 and $1,000. So you're kind of in that same range in terms of cost. But a bunch of the expensive cards are um, carry between decks and you only ever need one copy. So like the the equivalent of the Black Lotus, which is the, um, it's a tunic, right? It's a piece of equipment that you always play face up at the beginning of the game. And you just can switch, like it doesn't have to get shuffled in and you only ever need one copy. Mm -hmm. So effectively, even though it's like the expensive card of this game and it's like 150 bucks, um, you need one copy. So it's effectively cheaper than a set of scalding tarts, right? Like, yeah. um, So there is that element to it. But the barrier for me is as an older guy, um, finding the, the time to practice it. Like I can make myself go on Friday night flesh and blood Mm -hmm. and get my head caved in but it's like i really need the reps at this stage of my life to get even remotely decent at it yeah and that's really hard um i would also say the templating the template templating on the cards is a little bit harder to read than a magic card when you're watching a live stream Hmm. so that's that's a thing however coverage is coming a long way and so cameron here here's what i would tell you someday just whenever you're on the treadmill or whatever, pull up a flesh and blood like pro level Grand Prix event and just watch it for five minutes or ten minutes and see it and it'll wash over you like I miss this with magic. <laughs> you know, I can't even tell you what the competitive structure of magic is anymore. And that goes from them pushing digital to pushing like some of the qualifier weekends are still alchemy and historic and it's just it's just kind of an unrecognizable thing Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. um so anyway i did you have any more to say about it i'm just curious and no yeah uh i mean it's here to stay i and i i'm glad i'm glad there is a competitor and maybe my hope um, because it, it does seem like an interesting game i'm sure i could fall in love with it but what i hope it does is just maybe uh, allows wizards to kind of look itself in the mirror and say, okay, what are we actually about? You know, and maybe that will actually happen if there's like some legit competition. Yeah. And it's been kind of heartbreaking to see people that are working or have worked at Watsi on Twitter. And I don't want to get too far down this rabbit hole, but of just constantly saying, Hey, look, not every product's for you. You don't understand how many casual people play magic and yada, yada, yada. And I, I would love to know they're back in like ROI like numbers on competitive play because you're kind of hearing that same excuse to justify things over and over again. Mm. 
And it kind of comes off as, again, kind of insulting because if you're constantly like, hey, we're about your feedback, and we're like, hey, our feedback is we would like you to do fewer products, higher quality, support competitive magic, and then the response is, dude, you're so stupid. Like, that is not a thing that's profitable. It's like, well, wait, you asked for my feedback. Like, mm-hmm. I don't understand, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it is nice that a product is welcoming. I'll just say that. And it would be nice if Watsi mirrored that in some way. Because most games treat their hardcore audience well, even though they complain all the time, right? Interesting, Yeah. Like, I bet the Overwatch fan base complains constantly, and I bet Blizzard still goes way out of their way for them. Probably, yeah. Right? They don't, yeah. they don't hit them with, you guys don't understand how many people casually play Overwatch, okay? <laughs> so your opinion doesn't matter. <laughs> anyway, Cameron, let's get out of the segment, come back and talk about what else we've been up to. So, Cameron, we're kind of on the precipice of... All the holiday video games, of which there are alarmingly few. I think we're still kind of feeling the effects of COVID. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, More so uh, this now, I think, than we were even last year, right? Yeah. Yeah, and that lines up with, like, and last year we saw a bunch of issues with um, TV productions, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Uh, I know you didn't watch Wheel of Time, but, man, that was very clearly affected by COVID towards the end of it. Like, um and so, like, supposedly this also affected Boba Fett significantly mm. and Captain America and the Winter Soldier. I mean, who knows? Uh, but now we're seeing this with video games where it's like this this fall is happening and it's like, wow, usually there's like 10, 15, 20 games I'm just choosing between. Yeah. <laughs> and I was actually bummed to see that Gotham Knights had been getting such poor reviews because that seems like I like I love Batman and I mm-hmm. love the extended Batman family and like. If you were to come to me however many years ago and said, yo, there's a game where you could play Nightwing, I would have been like, where do I sign? <laughs> sign me up, bro. <laughs> and uh, now we're rapidly reaching a level where like, the single player game that might interest me the most is the newest Call of Duty. That's how dark this, this thing has gotten. But it's like, oh, a linear 10-hour campaign. Sounds pretty good to me. <laughs> um but I, I kind of wanted to pick your brain because Persona 5 um, Royal, which is the big blow-up edition of uh, Persona 5, I, I've purchased on PlayStation 4 the original one digitally for like five bucks once. But this is the Royal version, so I believe there's more. There's the DLC included or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a bigger game with some improvements. It's now available on Switch, Xbox, PlayStation 5, and it's on Game Pass so um, I'm interested, dude. Did you ever play Persona Five? Is oh. it worth me, like really digging into? I did play a lot of Four, and I love Four, and I've played the original Persona. Yeah, but yeah, talk to me. I mean, Persona Four is like I. It's on my top ten list of favorite games of all time. I, I loved that game, and like between Spelunky and Persona, those were the reasons to own the Sony um, Vita. Vita. Um, and so, yeah, playing Persona 5 on the PlayStation 5, I played through it, really enjoyed it, but, and I think I, maybe if we go back to the shows and when we, when we were reviewing that game, um, my biggest complaint might have been that it wasn't portable. It wasn't able, like a bedside companion that I could have the way that Persona 4 mm-hmm. was where I could just pick it up, go through a dungeon once, and then, and then put it back down. 
Um, and so I always feel like turning on the PlayStation 4, like that's a to-do. I have to sit down and actually carve out like an hour of time, whereas handheld stuff, it's great for that. Just pick up and go. And uh, yeah, so long story short, I am picking this up and playing it on the Switch. Just replay the game. Um, and I'm more than looking forward to it because that was like the one thing that I really wanted about Persona 5. And I'm finally getting it. Okay. Yeah. I, um, I, weirdly, my son sat and watched me play the very beginning of this game. And my understanding is this game isn't maybe the most appropriate thing in terms of themes and yeah, stuff. But like, yeah. I mean, he was just watching the beginning and it seemed totally fine and cartoony and all those things, if not very like angsty teen anime kind of thing. <laughs> uh, and again, I played the very beginning of this like many years ago and then I th something else came out and then I got obsessed with it. I want to say it was the original Neo. Okay, um, that yeah. That kind of took over for that or something. Um, but anyway, I and if, look, if listeners know anything, it's that Curtis usually doesn't finish games. Like, yeah. Let's be real. Um, but no, I'm pretty interested in this. My son just helped me name the main character. Uh, are you ready for this? He decided to name him Marlo Skadoosh. So <laughs> that kid is yours. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also a big Kung Fu Panda, um, fan. So yeah. Uh, anyway, I'm ex it's cool that these, uh, and all the personas are getting released on everything. Yeah. Of course this next year and they're all becoming available on game pass. I haven't had game pass in a while because I've been so professionally kind of, uh, backed up and dealing with stuff. So I was like, okay, well I had held onto a game pass voucher for a, a month. I'll activate it this month. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm interested. The one thing that kind of sticks out about persona five, that's maybe a negative for me so far is there are a lot of loading screens because this is a PlayStation 4 game. Mm. And you're kind of like with things like Elden Ring or things that are built a little bit more in, with a modern perspective, those loading screens are all gone. Yeah. And uh, you don't realize how interrupting that is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, until you kind of back out of it. And, and honestly, that's like the main benefit of the new consoles slash new PCs is the loading times are kind of non-existent. But yeah. Um, all right, Cameron. Well, if someone would like to get a hold of you and tell you how to proceed with Persona 5 Royal versus regular Persona and what you need to do to build those relationships with those particular characters, where could they find you? That's first, Team Mikado all the way. And then that's all at Cameron underscore McCoy. And I am at Curtis now. Our official show feed is at SpikeFeedMTG. We will check you guys next week. <laughs>